What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff. It is Wednesday, July 22nd. Oh boy. Rookies are in. And uh, the league is moving on here. Uh, we actually have some news on the COVID front. I'll talk a little bit about that on the show today. want to address an interesting question about yesterday's podcast. And we're going to talk some post-type sleepers on today's show. Of course, before I get into that, do me a favor. Stop by ftnfantasy.com. A lot of people asking me where you can get my draft board. That's where, right there, in the fantasy football game plan. That's my draft guide. Just updated it for the end of the month, right before camp opened up. We did that on Monday. We're going to do another update in two weeks as we get more information here. I imagine there's going to be a lot of moving parts, so that's an advantage for you over at ftnfantasy.com. Of course, you want DFS, FTN, Daily.com, and if you want betting information, I was betting World Team Tennis yesterday. I am not lying. I could not make that up. And we hit six out of eight bets over there at FTNBets.com. So really absolute fire. They're great information. Go check them all out. That's the FTN Network. But let's dive into this COVID news. Yesterday, it, it was initially reported that there were 95 positive tests among NFLPA membership uh that number was actually corrected to 59 so maybe maybe they just reversed the numbers i don't know what happened there but 59 puts it about two percent of membership it's not as low as we're seeing in some of the other leagues but it is not an extremely high number which is encouraging we know that there are testing plans in place here these guys are going to be tested a lot over the first two weeks of training camp so at least that's an encouraging sign. Now, there are more moving parts here because I didn't know, I hadn't actually given a specific number on this podcast because I didn't exactly know how many players were going to be in camp. It does sound like that number is now solidified at nine, at 80, that is. 90 last year, 80 this year. So we're down 10 guys. Uh, that's That's a lot. When you think about it, that's 320 players. Uh, who ordinarily would be in a training camp who aren't. That being said, I mean, it's great for those guys to get that shot, but in a lot of instances with the NFL, those guys, that the the last 10, uh, they really had no shot at making the roster. Every so often, maybe there's a diamond in the rough, but in a lot of instances, there were too many bodies in camp probably as it was. They maybe didn't need that many guys in camp. So, you know, I think this makes sense here. Now, this is very fascinating, though, because this year, the practice squad is a lot bigger than it was last year. There are 16 guys on the practice squad. So essentially, we're talking 70 70 or 71 guys out of those 80 are either going to be on the team because they expanded the roster just slightly or on a practice squad this year. So now I think this makes a lot of sense because, you know, those practice squad spots are going to be pretty coveted. And I think this opens up a world where in 2020 fantasy football, we are going to have to be paying a lot closer attention to practice squad than we ever have been before. In fact, I'm already cooking up some plans to to have uh, some content there throughout the season in terms of just monitoring. So we always monitor the depth charts, but a lot of times we don't really think about the practice squad. Maybe we know a running back or two who might be on a practice squad, but for the most part, even that doesn't even surface in most instances. And if it does, it's sort of late season when it does. But with COVID, it could surface quickly. And 
obviously the way that the league is set up, the any player who test positive will be on the commissioner's exempt list and that could be for any amount of time it could be a very short period of time we saw jimmy johnson in nascar for example he will he only missed a race uh, you know so it wasn't even two full weeks he was out so that could be the case or it could be much longer we know it affects people differently ultimately here but we're gonna have to be aware of who's on the practice squad uh, it is pretty interesting what's going on around the league right now but that's the latest update that we have uh, of course, we'll see. Tomorrow, we're supposed to have quarterbacks in, so uh, we'll see. We'll give you another update there uh, when that all transpires. But the question about yesterday. So yesterday, if you didn't listen to the podcast, of course, you can uh, certainly go back to it at any point. It was meant to be slightly evergreen as we get into draft season, but this podcast was about two-quarterback or superflex draft strategy. And I did get an interesting question about a point per completion league. I don't know if it was a half point or a full point per completion. I can only imagine, though, point per completion plus everything else, <laughs> your scores are going to be absolutely jacked. I mean, outrageously high when you're considering you're adding 20, 25 extra points on average for these guys. Uh, it is insane. So the question was, you know, do you change your draft strategy because of how many points quarterbacks score? And it's, I have a similar answer for that as I would for really somebody who would ask a question about six-point touchdown leagues, six-point passing touchdown leagues. The argument is, okay, quarterbacks score more in this format. I should draft them higher. And my response is, no, you actually shouldn't because it's not like you say, okay, well, Patrick Mahomes scores six points per passing touchdown and then everybody else only gets four. In that instance, yes, draft Patrick Mahomes higher, you know, because of that, because he has an advantage on the pack. But here, the scoring system, regardless of what the tweak is, still applies uniformly across the position. In other words, it applies to everybody. So therefore, the value at the position, you know, relative to each other, it's not going to change. We're still going to be able to find the guys. Uh, you know, the the number 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 guys in the fourth round. We're still going to be able to find that. Even if it's a crazy point per completion league, the, the change is relative to the position. And remember, we're not looking at overall scoring. I mean, hey, if it was overall scoring, yeah, quarterbacks should go in the first round. But it's about scoring at your position, scoring relative to your position. The reason why we draft Christian McCaffrey highest, you know, this year consensus number one guy is because relative to his position, relative to what you're going to be able to find on waivers, a replacement level player, he significantly outscores that guy compared to what Lamar is going to do and a replacement level quarterback. That's why. That's value-based drafting in a nutshell for you right there. That's it. And that's why we do what we do. And it doesn't matter if you change the scoring system. The value is still going to be relatively similar. The value gap at the position is going to be relatively similar regardless. Now, again, you may move your rankings around in a league like that where, you know, point per completion, okay, guys who I don't think are going to get a lot of completions – you know, Lamar comes back to the pack a little bit. I don't think he's going to have a ton of completions. Josh Allen, not going to have a ton. But, you know, you now all of a sudden look at somebody like Ben Roethlisberger who could throw the ball a lot, have a lot of completions. Uh, certainly, obviously, Brady. Those guys move up, but it's it's all within the position. It's not overall where I'm moving them up. 
right? That's that's a great question though, and and it's a common uh, thought process a lot of people have. Oh, they score more, therefore I should draft them earlier, and that isn't necessarily the case. All right, so let's talk about some post type sleepers, bounce back candidates. I mean, post type sleeper is is a great term because every year we get these hype guys. And in some instances, it, the hype is warranted, you know, and then in other instances, it's not. Like Baker Mayfield last year, obviously the hype was not warranted. But what ends up happening with the pendulum is the pendulum swung too far in in the pro-Baker side last year, swung too far, and what ends up happening invariably is the equal and opposite reaction the following year where people are too low a lot of times on these guys, and they're poised for a bounce back. They are post-hype sleepers. So uh, Baker is a prime example. He's a prime example because right now you can get Baker Mayfield in the late rounds in a lot of drafts. Every so often I'll see him go earlier than that, but you can get him in the late rounds, and I think he's in a really good position to produce this year. Obviously, he has great surrounding talent. You add another receiving weapon in Austin Hooper. You have a good pass catcher out of the backfield in Kareem Hunt. You have Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. That's not too bad. And you don't even really need a third receiver when you're talking about you have those four legit weapons. Not to mention you still have David Njoku. You potentially, I mean, I, I guess you have a nice sort of third receiver in Higgins if he can pan out. I, I, Higgins isn't terrible by any means. And it, it's not like you're going to lean on him too heavily. It's a very nice situation. And beyond that, I think we're going to see a lot more stability in this organization with Kevin Stefanski at the helm as opposed to the Freddie Kitchens regime, which was very dysfunctional. So that's going to help things out. Certainly will help things out from a game plan standpoint. Now, I don't think this is going to be an uber pass-heavy offense by any means. If if Stefanski takes some of what he learned you know, with him from Gary Kubiak, then that's absolutely not going to be the case. But regardless, Baker Mayfield, can he go out, have a bounce-back season? We know he has upside. We already saw the upside in his rookie year. Go out, have a bounce-back season, and, and really give you a nice little chunk of value as a late-round guy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Poised to bounce back for sure. But it's not just Baker Mayfield. I think, actually, quarterback is kind of chock-full of these post-type sleepers, and really two other names stand out for me. The first one is Aaron Rodgers. When was the last time you could get Aaron Rodgers in the late rounds? I haven't done the ADP research here. I don't even know. I'd probably have to go back pretty far. Pretty darn far. In the late rounds, Aaron Rodgers is going to be around in double-digit rounds in some drafts this year. Maybe not every home league draft you have. But I I, I tell you what, I'm in a home league where a few years back, even, even recently, like I'm only I'm talking only like four or five years ago, quarterbacks went really early. Now this home league. Everybody waits. Everybody waits. Like, Lamar will go in the second round in this one. Patrick Mahomes will probably go in the third round, and then we won't see another quarterback until, like, the eighth round. Everybody waits now. Everybody waits. And you know why? Why everybody waits? It's a co- it's just like NFL. Fantasy football is a copycat league, right? And if something works for somebody, then everybody sees that, and they're like, ooh, I'm going to do that too. And somebody won this league uh, like it was like four years ago, and literally took uh, their quarterback the last possible pick of the draft, even after defense. 
<laughs> so there you go. It worked. I'm doing it too. Aaron Rodgers is going to be around in double-digit rounds in that league. And I understand where people are upset with Aaron Rodgers from last year. The consistency wasn't there. But a lot of us didn't see Aaron Jones going out and putting up double-digit rushing scores. And not even double-digit. You know, high double-digit. 16 rushing scores. That takes a lot of touchdown productivity off of Aaron Rodgers' plate. And historically... That's where Aaron Rodgers has been the most effective. You know, you look back through Aaron Rodgers' stats over the course of his career. His career high in passing yards, get this, 46-43. I mean, Dak Prescott threw for 49-01 last year, and I'm not saying Dak's better than Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. It's just Rodgers has been so efficient. Like, of course, that year when he went 46-43, he also scored. Through for 45 touchdown passes. He's top 40 touchdown passes twice in his career. He's top 30 touchdown passes an additional four more times on top of that. He's had, let's see, two with 28. Last year with 20. 26 is not that bad. And people are disappointed. 26 is not a bad number. It's the perception and the reality that that often don't meet in the middle with guys like Aaron Rodgers. It's not bad. And yet the consistency wasn't there. And especially I think where people really, you know, really got the bad taste is the playoff stretch. 25th, 22nd, 32nd in the playoffs. So, okay, that wasn't good. But Aaron Rodgers is there in the the 10th round, the 11th round. Um, Yeah, sign me up. Uh, I will take a safe and upside approach there. I would view Aaron Rodgers as more of a safe guy, but also a safe guy with a higher ceiling. Not every safe guy is made equally. Safe guy with a high ceiling. Turn back around, draft somebody like Daniel Jones, draft somebody like uh, Ryan Tannehill, draft somebody like Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's risky going Rodgers-Mayfield for sure, but I, I think with the amount of value you get, I don't mind it. Now, the other guy here in this conversation is a polarizing guy as well. And his name is Cam Newton. I know that people, some people do not like Cam Newton. I know because of that, some people will not draft Cam Newton. There is risk here from an injury standpoint. Cam Newton has missed 16 games over the last two years due to injury. There is obvious risk there. There's risk of, well, this could really not work out because we don't know how it's going to work out in New England. Now, I have confidence just knowing New England is smart enough often to play to their personnel, not have their personnel play to them. But there's risk. But at the same time, there is big-time bounce-back potential here. Big time. Cam Newton, in a lot of drafts, you are going to get for free because people are going to avoid him. You're going to get him for free in the late rounds. And, I mean, of of those guys, yeah, Rodgers has top five potential for sure. Uh, but... You know, so does Newton. <laughs> so does Newton. It's only, We're only a couple seasons removed from a second-place fantasy finish for Cam Newton. That was in 2017. So, and yeah, maybe not the best set of weapons overall, but I, again, it's Belichick, and they make things work, and they play to their personnel. He's really interesting, and he's definitely a post-type sleeper candidate for me. Now, running back, I, I mean, I initially looked, so I kind of wrote, Kamara, Kamara's not really, because, hey, everybody's drafting Kamara at, like, f- four, <laughs> five. He's not getting past that point. 
But I just want to, I wanted to throw him in here. He's not a post-type sleeper, but I wanted to throw his name in here just because I don't want you to shy away from him because of last year's touchdown productivity because he was st- he was just as good last year. He just didn't get in the end zone. I'm not worried about that, though. And he, and he got a little banged up. You know, he had the two weeks of Latavius Murray, but I'm not worried about any of that for Alvin Kamara. Don't let any of that shy, uh, cause you to shy away from him. What I actually have here is a trio of running backs, and I call this trio the, I have to take a shower after drafting these guys because it feels kind of dirty. You don't like doing it. It's not sexy. Nobody is going to go ooh or ah when you put their sticker on the board. Nobody, You're not going to get a nice pick, bro, <laughs> when you draft these guys. But I think all of them are in a good situation to produce. And they're going to offer some value, and they do offer a little bit of post-type sleeper. Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, and David Johnson. It's even gross saying it, right? Well, Todd Gurley is in a great spot in Atlanta, which is a good offense. Historically, we know they put points on the board. They put their running back in a position where they can score touchdowns. We saw it with Devontae Freeman. He has no competition for touches on that depth chart. I don't care if you're any... Are, are there Edo Smith truthers out there? Is that a thing? <laughs> Is there Edo Smith truthers? I don't care about Edo Smith. I I mean, Brian Hill, Quadrios, and I don't care about those guys. Todd Gurley is in a position to eat in that offense. Going to see a healthy share of the touches. Now, Le'Veon Bell does have Frank Gore there. I know. He's still in the league. Keep playing, Frank. I love you. Keep playing. But Le'Veon Bell is a true three-down back, and I don't think he's quite over the hill. Like, yes, he's 28, but he's kind of 27 because he spent a whole season on jet skis, and that's really not going to bang your body up that much. I don't think he was going that aggressive on the jet skis. So he got that extra year of tread still on the tires that uh, that you know normal 28-year-old might not. He has touched the ball a lot over the course of his career, but he touched the ball a lot last year. For everybody complaining about Adam Gase, what are you? What else do you want? What else do you want? You want your your coach to feed your running back, right? That's what they did. They fed him. The problem was he was running behind a really bad offensive line. He was getting about a half a yard before contact, a little over a half yard before contact. That's it. That's no space to work with right there. Upgraded offensive line. Gore will take a little bit maybe in the run game, but I'm still projecting Lev Bell at 220 carries. And 58 catches, I mean, he could easily have 60-plus. He's right there in projections. 60-plus catches is super valuable, even if you're not super efficient. I mean, seven yards per catch last year. I actually bumped that up. I have him at 7.8 this year, scoring two touchdowns as a receiver. He's never been a high upside touchdown guy in his career, so only five rushing touchdowns projected. But he could be an RB2, an unsexy RB2 you get slightly on the cheap, and bounce back, and it wouldn't shock me if you look back at the end of the year and Lev Bell cracks the top 10. I don't think he's going to be an elite guy, but it wouldn't shock me at all. David Johnson, same thing. Last year was ugly, especially once Kenyon Drake came in. Even in the beginning before Kenyon Drake was there, David Johnson struggled on the ground. But last year, Carlos Hyde showed us you can be a lackluster running back on the ground. Carlos Hyde doesn't have that much juice at this point in his career. And still be a thousand yard rusher. David Johnson right now is in a better place in his career than Carlos Hyde this time last year in that offense. And David Johnson's a better pass catcher. 
That's a nice offense as well. Even without Hopkins, they're going to move the football. David Johnson's in a good position to produce, and you don't have to pay for him. Post-hype sleepers. Wide receiver may have my favorite post-hype sleeper on the board this year, and it's Odell Beckham Jr. I already talked about this kind of at great length when we had the the Browns uh, preview, but just going back to that very quickly, we've seen it before out of Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, the injuries recently haven't been ideal. The lackluster performance wasn't, wasn't ideal last year, but I don't think that was his fault. I really think a lot of that, you know, Crap rolls downhill. I think that was the regime last year. He was second in the league in targets of 20-plus yards downfield. Only Kenny Galladay had more. 33 for OBJ. I love that number. I love the fact that he is the top target. I love the fact that Baker, I think, is going to bounce back. And I love, love, love when you can get Odell Beckham Jr. in the fourth round. Sign me up. The other guy I have on my list here is Juju Smith-Schuster. Last year was... Not good across the board, uh, not just for Juju, but for the Steelers as a whole. Getting Ben back in there, getting some some better continuity with the receivers. I mean, you kind of have guys who can do what you need them to do now. So in two wide sets, you can have Juju out there, and I do think it's ultimately going to be Deontay Johnson out there. And we know they like to, to run some three wide there, open things up for Ben. In those situations, yeah, bring James Washington on. Now you got James Washington on the outside, field stretcher, does what he does, faster in pads than in shorts. Only 4 or 5 speed, but looks faster in pads. Can get downfield, knows what he's doing there. Deontay Johnson can play inside and outside, but you get him outside, then you get Juju in the slot where he's comfortable, and now Juju can produce. More continuity at wide receiver. That's good for Juju. I don't mind him at all. I struggled a little bit with tight end. I think Evan Ingram fits the bill if he stays healthy. Uh, But I I don't think people are down on Evan Ingram. It's just one of those things, like if you're in a draft where Henry and Higby go ahead of him and maybe even somebody like Hayden Hurst go ahead of him, then that's really good because you'll get some nice value there. But I think the player who is probably the most interesting for me as a sort of post-hype sleeper is TJ Hawkinson. And every year you get hype on rookies, rookie tight ends. Well, this year TJ Hawkinson doesn't necessarily have the same hype. It's not the easiest schedule when you have to face the Vikings and the Packers twice. They're really tough against tight ends. So keep that one in mind. But I really like the offense. I think the offense is set up to do some good things this year. So he would fit the bill as a post-hype Uh, tight end for me so there you go Uh, some post-hype sleepers you'll very likely be able to get these guys at a slight value on draft day and I like the bounce back potential of them Uh, all right so that'll do it for today in the meantime check out ftnfantasy.com of course for the draft guide the draft board fantasy game plan Uh, you're not going to be disappointed with that lots of great stats in there in addition to uh, player profiles from yours truly my draft board cheat sheets all that fun stuff ftnfantasy.com keep reviewing the show we're up over 300 now 300 that's pretty good i'm impressed but if you haven't reviewed the show already easy just go on your iphone if you have one open up the podcast app find my show scroll to the bottom click the stars super easy and it really 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 helps me uh keep this show going we want to keep this thing going for the long haul so help me out there please Also, help me out on social media, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, 
at Jeff Radcliffe on Instagram. Hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. I'll give you guys priority over everybody else. I see you, Rat Pack. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Radcliffe, and I'm out of here.